by Ben SoundCloud. Introductory audio is provided by TED Talks. Enjoy the show. The newborn monument stands in the heart of downtown Pristina, the capital of Kosovo. It was erected on February 17, 2008 to commemorate the independence of this small country in southeastern Europe. Welcome to the first episode of Quarrels, Quandaries, and Quotas, where we will discuss the role of women in Kosovar society, and in particular the gender quota system that seeks to enhance women's political participation in the government. This first episode will be different from the rest, as I'll be covering a brief history of Kosovo as well as explaining the purpose of this podcast. The following episodes will feature members of Kosovar society, whether members of parliament, local activists, or representatives from international organizations who are pushing to advance women's rights in Kosovo. The idea for this podcast series came about while I was studying abroad during the spring 2016 semester in Belgrade, Serbia, on a program with SIT Study Abroad called Peace and Conflict Studies in the Balkans, Serbia, Bosnia, and Kosovo. During the semester, we traveled to Pristina, Kosovo. While there, I learned about Kosovo's gender quota system for the first time. As I have done similar research on this topic in other countries, I was interested to see how the gender quota system was applied in Kosovo. Thanks to the Andrew W. Mellon Scholars Program in the Digital Arts, a research program I have a part of at my home institution of Hope College, I was able to apply for a grant and received funds to carry out a project in Kosovo over the summer. And so this podcast was born. But where is Kosovo anyway? A tiny country with a population of 1.8 million in southeastern Europe, Kosovo is part of the former Yugoslavia. 92% of the population is ethnic Albanian, with a small minority population of Serbs, Bosniaks or Bosnian Muslims, Turks, Roma, Ashkali, and Egyptians. Before studying abroad in the Balkans, I knew very little about this small country whose independence is still unrecognized by many countries. In order for my listeners to understand a bit more about Kosovo, I would like to present a brief history. In 1974, following the creation of a new Yugoslav constitution, Kosovo's status changed from an autonomous region of the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia to autonomous province, granting the province nearly equal status with the six republics of Yugoslavia at the time. This lasted until 1989, when Kosovo's autonomy was revoked by the president of the Republic of Serbia at the time, Slobodan Milosevic. This set in motion a forceful removal of the rights of ethnic Albanians in Kosovo, who at the time composed roughly 80% of the population. 
eventually leading to an outpouring of violence in 1998 and the NATO air campaign in the spring of 1999, which eventually brought the fighting to an end. It was in March of 1999 that NATO, encouraged by Bill Clinton, made the decision to launch an airstrike campaign against the Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which at the time consisted of merely Serbia and Montenegro. The decision was carried out even though the UN Security Council had not approved the use of military force, and it marked the first time NATO had used force against a sovereign state. The bombing campaign was in response to the brutality of Serbian forces on the ethnic Albanian population in Kosovo. While the direct conflict began in 1998 between Serbian forces and the Kosovo Liberation Army, otherwise known as the KLA, an Albanian guerrilla group who wanted Kosovo to be independent from Serbia, many events occurred prior to that which led to the clashes in 1998 and the eventual international intervention in 1999. In the early 90s, roughly 100,000 ethnic Albanians were fired from their jobs. Many positions were later then filled by Serbians. Kosovars decided to take action and a non-violent movement emerged in July of 1992, headed by academic Ibrahim Mugova, who was, elected, who was then elected president of the so-called Republic of Kosovo. For the next five years or so, ethnic tensions escalated between the Serbian and Albanian populations. People began to view Rugova and his non-violent movement as a failure. It was during this time that the Kosovo Liberation Army was born, a separatist guerrilla group that began to engage in armed conflict with Serbian police forces in the late 1990s. It was not until 1998 that direct conflict began, as the KLA gained support and the Serbian government reacted by launching a brutal crackdown. Villages were raided and civilians were expelled from their homes. The international community did not want to appear passive, especially after events that took place in Bosnia and Rwanda in the early 1990s, as the international community's response to these events was seen as inadequate. NATO warned Milosevic to stop the raids and forced deportations that were taking place in Kosovo. As the violence did not stop, NATO saw no other choice but to launch Operation Allied Force. The bombing campaign ended 78 days after it began on June 11th. Yet to this day, a strong international presence remains in Kosovo. It was recently voted that the European Union Rule of Law Mission in Kosovo, otherwise known as ULEX, which was established in 2008 shortly after Kosovo declared independence to aid in the rule of law in Kosovo, should continue for another two years until June 14, 2018. At the time of its inception, it was only meant to last until 2012. According to the UN mandate established following the ceasefire in 1999, the goal of international presence in Kosovo is, direct quote, to help ensure conditions for a peaceful and normal life for all inhabitants of Kosovo and advance regional stability in the Western Balkans, end quote. Because of these events, many Kosovars view the United States as their liberator. When visiting the country for the first time, I noticed American flags on nearly every corner. It was more common to see an American flag than a Kosovar flag. The capital city of Pristina even has a memorial to Bill Clinton, located right along Bill Clinton Boulevard. Considering Kosovo's friendliness towards the United States, I was surprised I had never studied the country before arriving to the region for my study abroad program. As I spent more time in Kosovo, I began to realize the precariousness of the political situation. 
The government is becoming increasingly divisive, the economy is suffering, and many youth are disillusioned and leaving Kosovo to seek opportunities elsewhere, as the current unemployment rate is 35%. Though Kosovo declared independence in 2008, they are still working to build their country. Women are an integral part of any democracy as they compose half of the population. As Rondahoti Roy, Indian novelist, writer, and political activist once said, a political struggle that does not have women at the heart of it, above it, below it, and within it is no struggle at all. During the course of this podcast, we will discuss women's roles in Kosovar society with a focus on the gender quota system. Many countries in the world today have quota systems, though they can appear very different as there are various types of quotas and they are not all implemented in the same way. In order to understand the gender quota system in Kosovo, we must first look at the government system itself. Kosovo has a parliamentary republic with three branches of government, executive, judicial, and legislative. Power in the executive branch is divided between the president and prime minister. The president is the head of state and more of a figurehead, while the prime minister is responsible for the daily functions of the government. The term lasts for five years, and both the president and prime minister are elected by the parliament. The legislative branch, also known as the assembly, has the most power in government as they pass laws, ratify treaties, appoint the president, prime minister, and judges. Parliament members serve for three years and are elected through an open list proportional representation system. There are 100 members total with 20 seats reserved for minorities and 30% of seats reserved for women. The main types of quota systems that exist today are reserve seats, legal candidate quotas, and voluntary political party quotas. Reserve seats work by regulating the number of women elected, while legal candidate quotas and voluntary political party quotas establish a minimum for the proportion of women on candidate lists by either a legal requirement or by a measure written into the statute of political parties. The gender quota system was implemented in the first democratic election in Kosovo, which took place in 2000, and was at the municipal level. The first national elections occurred in 2001. As of the last parliamentary elections in 2014, 32.5% of assembly members are women. This is in accordance with the electoral law which states 30% of national and municipal seats must be occupied by women. While the 30% quota in the national and local assemblies has for the most part been obeyed, the 2014 law on gender equality which stated that women hold 40% of appointed government positions has not. In 2015, that law was changed to be 50%. Listen along as we dissect gender norms in Kosovo and hear from female members of parliament, various international organizations, and civil society actors in Kosovo who are working to enhance women's rights. Not only will the gender quota be discussed, but other aspects of society that impact women, such as employment and ed education, will also be part of the discussion.